seconds. Yesterday, I went live with you on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, and I made you aware of this problem, which has now become a nationwide story, and that is plans to attack Catholic churches this Sunday because these pro A to the B to the O to the R, you can guess the rest, people want to protest the reversal of Roe v. Wade at the Supreme Court, and I explain in detail why they want to attack the Catholic Church and attack Catholics. Well, in those last less than 24 hours, that video I made, uh, it got over 100,000 views. I usually get good views, but that was uh, insane. It went viral. And like I said, it's national news now. And sadly, also in these past 24 hours, there have been Catholic churches vandalized across the country and a couple dioceses, including the Archdiocese of Washington, D.C., and the Diocese of Fort Worth, Texas, are issuing statements, issuing instructions and warnings about potential vandalism, violence, attacks, disruptions in the liturgies. I'm going to go over some of those today. Uh, before I do, though, I want to remind you that back when we were in the election cycle, I talked about the three phases of persecution. I went all the way back into the first century, uh, into the persecution of Christians under Diocletian, under the persecution of Christians under Islam, under and the persecution of Christians during the French Revolution. There's usually, well, no, there actually, not usually, there is three phases. And quickly, before we do our prayer, I'll just give you the three phases so you can understand. First, the persecutors of Christianity attack our symbols and our signs. These are our churches. These are our crosses, our statues, our icons, our images, our Bibles, our chalices. Everything that is associated with our faith, that is attacked. It's either banned or vandalized. Okay, so that's phase one. Phase two is they begin to invade the churches, attack the churches, close the churches. So in phase two, they go after our space, our geography, our places of worship, our cathedrals, our parishes. That's phase two. And then phase three has an A and a B part. Phase three is the attacking physically and also the killing of Christians. This is the final phase. And it usually begins with A, first, the clergy and the religious. So the nuns, the monks, the priests, the bishops, and up from there. And then it devolves into attacking and killing and persecuting the laity. So we see this all the way in the first century. We see this in the beginning of the fourth century under Diocletian. We see it under Islam. We see it in the French Revolution. Uh, this is the cycle. This is the thing. So as we were talking in the political cycle, you know, they were pulling down our statues of Blessed Huda Persera, uh, attacking crosses, all the things in public that stand for our faith. And I said, next, they're going to come after our actual church buildings. And uh, we're seeing that here. All right. So before we get started and look at some of these things, for example, this church in Boulder, uh, this church right here in Ferndale, I believe it is. Let us pray the Our Father together and unite together 
as Christians under our one Father, the Heavenly Father, God the Father, Oremus, Nomini Patris et Filii, Spiritus Sancti, Amen. Pater Noster, qui es in Caeli, sanctificetur nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in cello et in terra, panem nostrum quotidianum da nobis odie, et emite nobis debita nostra, sicut et nos dimitimus debitoribus nostris, et nenos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amalo. Amen. Nomini Patris, et Filii, et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Arlie of Fatima, pray for us. All right, well, thanks for joining. Uh, yesterday, I also went into the theology of Satan, his attack on women, his love for the A-word and how that all fits in with his fall, with Adam and Eve, with the Blessed Virgin Mary. I went into all that. So if you haven't seen that, see the video yesterday. I believe the title was uh, Plans to Invade Catholic Churches this Sunday. Of course, this Sunday is also Mother's Day. How appropriate for a bunch of people who want to kill babies to attack on that day. It's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Also in yesterday's video, I don't think I will today, uh, but I reached out and I spoke to all the people out there that are wounded and hurting because they were lied to by Satan through our culture to embrace feminism, to embrace being lonely, to embrace the A-word, contraception, to reject family, to hate family. So many people were taught to do these things and they're suffering. And we talked about mental health and how mental health has taken a decline. And it's because we've gotten off the path of God. It's because we're trying to do things our own way. We're rebelling against the instructions. We're trying to live in a way, particularly we're trying to live in a way with our sexuality that does not fit with how God designed it to be. And that always leads to brokenness physically in your body and mentally in your mental health. And then I also talk about spiritually, how it destroys your soul and ultimately leads to perdition, leads to the fires of hell. Yesterday is First Friday. Today is a day to make reparation to the Sacred Heart of Jesus for all the blasphemies and sacrileges uh, made against our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. All right, let's talk about what's been happening just in the last 18 hours. Uh, this was on Fox News. Saw this. This is in Boulder. Uh, here's a Catholic church. And uh, let me move this one right here. Look what they did. My body, my choice. Okay, so they are seeing the Catholic church, and I went into the reasons yesterday, as their enemy, and rightfully so. And rightfully so. So the vandalism has begun. The cowards... Uh, I'm going to share some more images via Twitter. Here we go. Uh, this is a church, St. Joseph's. It belongs to the Society of St. Pius X. I think we should all rally uh, and show solidarity with them and support them, no matter what your views are on the Society of St. Pius X. They have been attacked in the past 24 hours. And let's look at some of these images. So here's their sign. Let me see if this is showing for y'all. Okay, good. Some of these are vulgar. So if you have children, don't let them see this right now. Let me just fast forward and look at it later. I'm not going to read it because it's disgusting. We got this, that. We got the pentagram. I mean, this is so evil and stupid. Here's more upside down. Suicide, uh, bad words. 
So, I mean, this is this is the kind of thing that started. It was really, actually, I covered a lot of it during the election cycle. Uh, it, this got, this was widespread all across the U.S. It was almost like every three or four days we had another example of it. Well, it's back. It's back. Also, some I mentioned earlier, some dioceses um, have sent out warnings. So this one right here is from uh, Washington, D.C., it says the pastor at St. Joe's Catholic Church on Capitol Hill has requested that police be present and ready to intervene in the event that pro-abortion protesters show up for Mother's Day Mass, as at Ruth Sentis has called on activists to do. So uh, Ruth, they're speaking of the former Supreme Court justice who went to her reward last year. Uh, these people are saying Ruth from the grave. Sounds to me totally demonic, completely demonic, is sending them to go and interrupt the holy sacrifice of the Mass, the most holy action here on earth, which is the propitiatory offering of our Lord Jesus Christ once for all on the cross, which is made present to us in the Eucharistic sacrifice. They're going to interrupt that so that they can kill their own babies. And how sick and, and twisted is that that it's on Mother's Day? Diocese of Fort Worth, Texas, also issued a statement regarding interruption and agitators in mass to be prepared for that. And I think this is real. This is real. And yesterday, I really, I kind of just wish I could tell everybody to go watch yesterday's video because I went through several scenarios of what to do if your mass is interrupted. Uh, I talked about how all these people their, their nourishment and their wokeness is being a victim. They want to be a victim. I talked about how if you're in woke culture, if you're a leftist, if you're, if you're a communist, you know, for them, being the greatest victim in your social group is like being the archduke. It is the aristocracy. It is the status symbol that you are such a victim. So if they come into your church and you get violent with them, not only would that be wrong, well, unless they're being violent to other people, then sometimes you have to use violence to seize violence. Like if someone's being violent towards one of my children or my wife, there's going to be violence. But unnecessary violence is just giving them what they want. They want to be victims. They want to say, these traditional Latin mass Catholics, I just walked in and said, my body, my choice. And then this guy came and punched me in the nose and a grandmother stomped me and poured holy water down my throat. Something ridiculous. This is what they want to say. This is what they want. So I said, be careful. Don't give them what they want. Don't let them be a victim. We just need to have them removed from the premises. And I asked before the show in the poll, I said, do you think that we Catholics should have police at all of our churches? This Sunday. I think it's a good idea. Obviously, the Archdiocese of Washington, D.C. is preparing for that. Also, yesterday, I discussed the need for parish teams in every parish to have men who are trained, who are working with the clergy, with the pastor, who have experience and run through scenarios on how to peacefully diffuse invasion into our churches because. I, I got to just say, I think it's going to become more and more common. 
And waiting for someone to get hurt or waiting for the Eucharist to be desecrated is just not an option for Catholic people. One thing I didn't mention yesterday is the need for video footage. So um, if you're not trained, if you're not part of a team, if you're not security, whatever, uh, it would be helpful, I think, if you could video these things. Because, of course, they're going to litigate as well. And we need to capture this stuff on camera. So if you can do that, that's something else you can do. Uh, if you wouldn't mind, please like this video. Give it a thumbs up. Share it on Facebook and Twitter. This is free. I just ask that you do me the favor of being my algorithm and sharing it on Facebook and Twitter. And of course, if you're new, what you want to do is you want to subscribe and hit that bell and you'll be notified whenever I go live as I am today on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. I'm going to take a few questions now and um, I will privilege, I'll take all kinds of questions. I'm going to privilege the Super Chats and of course, even more, I'm going to privilege the Patreon members, the Patreons are the ones who patronize and support this channel. If you'd like to become a patron, you can go to patreon.com forward slash drtaylormarshall. I'll send you some signed books, uh, different levels, online courses, cool merch, coffee mugs, all kind of cool stuff relating to this podcast, my work, my writing. So go to patreon.com forward slash drtaylormarshall. And I appreciate all the patrons who make this possible. The main rule on asking a question is you have to use a question mark. In fact, it's even helpful if you put a question mark at the beginning of the sentence like a Spaniard um, because there's 1,338 people on right now and the, soup, the live chat's going so fast. If I see those questions, I can just settle my eyes on it. So here we go. Here's a um, super chat. This is from Christopher Joseph. He says, thank you for pointing me back to the Catholic Church. You are awesome and the coolest dude on the internet. God bless you and your family. Okay, Christopher Joseph, thank you for that super chat and thank you for saying that. Uh, it's the Holy Ghost who does all that. I'm just a dad on a webcam. Next question is from John. John says, do you like The Chosen? The Chosen is the TV show about Jesus Christ and his apostles. No, I don't. I've talked about it before. I think it's badly written. I don't like the actors, so just from an aesthetic point of view, I don't like it. But the content and the way they depict the Blessed Virgin Mary, I believe, is sacrilegious and, and unorthodox. And so I am not a fan of The Chosen. I'm actually against The Chosen. I realize some people may disagree with me. That's my opinion as a dad on a webcam. All right, any more questions? Let's see here. Uh, did you watch The Father's... This is a JMJG. Did you watch The Father's Stew movie? What did you think? I have not. I've heard a lot of bad things about it. Um, I have a very good friend who did go see it and clarified some of the things for me. I don't know if I'm going to see it yet or not. Um, there's no opinion on that yet. Dominic says, are these acts hate crimes? Of course. <laughs> of course these are hate crimes. Yeah, we're talking about hate crimes here. If you um, vandalize... Uh, deface, attack people, interrupt religious rights um, for your ideology. Uh, it's a hate crime. Looking for more questions here. Uh, Vivian, what are your thoughts on people or priests getting tattoos? I'm not into it. I really regret the 
tramp stamp I have. Just kidding. I don't have a tramp. I don't have any tattoos. I'm clean. Um, my thought on it is, you know, I've had students ask me, what about tattoos, Dr. Marshall? And I say, look, at the end of time when we're all resurrected, and hopefully you're resurrected to glory for heaven, uh, you're not going to have the tattoos. So when Christ resurrects you, the tattoos are going to be gone, which means he doesn't want them on you. So um, I'm generally, you know, I don't know necessarily if it's a sinful thing. I think if they're on your face uh, or if they're demonic or sacrilegious or disrespectful, that's sinful. But, you know, I kind of see you got mortal sin, venial sin, and then you have imprudent actions that have to do with prudence. Um, and I see tattoos sort of in that territory. Again, I don't think it's a sinful thing, but is it prudent to put something when you're 23 years old and you put something permanent on your body that you can never get rid of that you think is cool when you're 23? Is that a prudent act? And I think most people would say it's not. It's kind of like, you know, someone gives me a Ferrari and there's something cool, I think. So I paint that on my Ferrari, but I can never remove it off the Ferrari or even better. You choose a logo to put on your car and it has to be in that same spot on every car you drive for the rest of your life for the next 60 years. I can't think of anything that 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 is that cool that I would want permanently on my car. All right, let's see. Oh, this is a good one right here. This is from TMAT. What's a priest to do during an interruption? Can he stop mass? No, he cannot. He cannot stop mass. A priest has to continue celebrating mass. That's a teaching. So uh, in the old days, there would be people who have heart attacks during mass. The priest doesn't stop the mass. The priest keeps going because the priest is, is doing a holy action that is un uninterrupted the world. The priest is... When, especially when he's in the liturgical act, when he's in mass, he is in persona Christi, right? He is in that moment. He is crucified with Christ, offering the body of Christ uh, to the Holy Trinity. So the, the priest just keeps going. And that's why we laymen have to protect the priests. The, the priest is up there and he's going to be steering that ship to heaven. The priest is up there and he's nonstop. We laymen have to take control. Good question, T-Matt. I saw a super chat come in. Christopher Joseph, yet again. Thank you. This time he says, uh, thank you for your generous super chat, Christopher. What are your thoughts? Priest denied my friend absolution because he is currently living with his girlfriend. He loves the Catholic faith and it is a tough financial situation and torn. The priest did the right thing, in my opinion, as a dad with a webcam with no magisterial authority. Uh, yeah, If you're a, a man living with a woman, that's called concubinage. Um, let's hope that they are chaste and they're not having sexual intercourse. But usually when a man and a woman live together and they are boyfriend and girlfriend, uh, that's a big problem. I mean, you shouldn't if you're not married and your boyfriend and girlfriend, you should not be together alone in the dark ever and alone anytime after 7 8 p.m. I mean that's just that's just prudent and modest and it's also a 
giant scandal to the world. You say, I'm a Catholic, and then you have a concubine. I know it sounds harsh, but that's the actual definition of a concubine. Someone who lives in your cubus, in your room. That's what a cubus is, a room, a cube, like a cubicle. So a concubine is just someone who's in your living quarters. Uh, so, yeah, the priest did the right thing. You cannot do that. Let's see. Uh, Christopher, again, thanks for that super chat and for the question. All right. Looking for some more questions. Make sure you use those question marks so I can see them. Oh, this is one I've been seeing a lot. This is from Mike Fischera. Should ushers lock the church doors once mass starts to protect those inside? Doors unlocked from the inside to exit for safety. So, yeah, my main concern is if you lock the doors... Uh, maybe the the baddie, maybe the bad person got there 15 minutes early is already in the church. And if you lock the church doors, is everybody in there stuck with some crazy person? Yeah, you want the churches, the doors to lock from the, or unlock from the inside. Uh, I think the most important thing is to have someone at the doors. Sometimes people arrive to mass, no fault of their own, you know, four or five minutes early. I don't think we can say, sorry, you're, you're out. I think the most important thing is to have a team and to have people watching and then have people ready talking about scenarios, talking about what to do to intervene and uh, take care of the situation. All right, here's a good, this is my buddy, Joey. Real quick, I'm gonna turn the air conditioning on. It's getting kind of warm. All right, Joey, he's my bro, he's my friend. Joey says, let's do a basics of church safety team video. Joey, that is a great idea. Why don't you and I talk about that? And we will uh, come on and maybe just do a, a chat. Man, we should have done that today, Joey. Uh, Joey also says, oops, wrong one. He says, don't lock the doors. The fire marshal will find you. Good, good. Okay, Joey, so we'll talk about that. Text me after the show or text me now, and uh, we'll work on that. This is on YouTube. This is Julian Narvivas. Most of the pro-choice protesters are women. I doubt they'll hit women if they do get violent. So when, uh, so then what happens? Can us women hit back if it came to that? Um, actually, that's not true. I've watched a lot of the footage and the women, what they do is, uh, this happened with Antifa. This was all over Antifa when I watched the footage from uh, over a year ago. What they do is they have all the Antifa soy boy guys. They're just weak and sickly. They're doing drugs. They're eating lots of soy, uh, a lot of oat milk in their coffee. They're very weak. They don't have protein. They're dying. So what they do is they're in the back and then they put the women in the front and they're very masculine. And what they do is they go up to their enemies and the women yell and cuss and take off their shirts and spit and push the men that they're against. And what the women are trying to do is provoke the men to push the women back or to hit the women. Because again, they want to be victims and they're videoing all this. So there's nothing they want more than some redneck guy in a MAGA hat to, if a girl comes up, an Antifa girl, and spits on him and pushes up on him, 
with her, you know, or bra on or something ridiculous, and he pushes her back, that right there is how they get you. So, yes, the women do hit uh, Julian, but they do hit the men. Um, as I said yesterday, the most important thing that you can do is secure a person and get them out of the premises. That's what teams, and I'm going to talk to Joey about this. Joey, not Joey, my wife, Joey, the guy who just asked the question. The teams have to have scenarios in which you acquire, take down, and remove that's not violent, that doesn't leave bruises, that doesn't hurt the person, and diffuses the situation. All right, good question. All right, we got another super chat that popped up. Actually, there's two. Did I miss one? I don't want to miss them. Nope, okay. Uh, here it is. This is from David. Righteous for Phineas to kill Zimri and Cosby? Absolutely yes. He was the high priest. And you'll remember in the Old Testament, under Moses, there was the death penalty for uh, not only fornication and adultery, but also sacri sacrilege and, in this case, sacrilegious sex acts. So Phineas did the right thing. Unfortunately, uh, we don't enjoy or enjoy. We don't have. Boy, people are going to make a big one on that one. We don't have uh, that kind of, of legal uh, precept. Uh in our current situation in 2022. You'll also remember that uh, the priests, like Phineas, um, did have the power of the death penalty. Uh, I just read about it in Leviticus, where uh, someone took God's name in vain. They brought him to Moses, and Moses said, the person has to be stoned. Good question. I'm glad you're reading your Old Testament, by the way, David. Everybody needs to read. And by the way, everyone who says, yeah, but the Catholic Church is against death penalty. No, it's not. The Catholic Church has always supported death penalty up until the last couple decades when modernism kicked in. You can show me John Paul II and Pope Francis, and I will show you 30 other popes who say it's morally permissible. And God not only allowed it, but commanded it in the Old Testament. So it's not fundamentally immoral. I like this question right here. What's your opinion of death penalty? I just said. Love it. Love it. Let's see. Looking for the question marks. Ah, good question here. If the priest is attacked during mass and hurt, what would happen next? So in the old theological manuals, if a priest um, has a medical emergency, has a stroke or anything like that, the ideal situation is another priest must fill in and continue at exactly the spot where he left off. So let's say it's, you know, after transubstantiation has occurred at the consecration, but, you know, before the Our Father, right in there. The priest has to come in and continue right there to complete the Mass. That's what's supposed to happen. Good question. Saints and sinners, Dr. T, ever coming to the old country, Ireland? I want to so bad. I'm almost half Irish, and I want to so bad. I will be in France this month. 
and uh, I'm working on something maybe for a meetup in Paris. If you're in Paris, leave a comment below on YouTube and uh, we can work on making that happen. Miguel, how can we protect the tabernacle? Good question. Did you know that some of these modernist Novus Ordo churches don't even have the tabernacle bolted in? The tabernacle is supposed to, supposed to be bolted into the wall and into the concrete floor. Like You should not be able to move it whatsoever. And the tabernacle should always be locked. Did you know a lot of these Novus Ordo churches leave the tabernacle unlocked? That's a sacrilege. Did you know some of them leave the key to the tabernacle next to the tabernacle? That's like taking a million dollars of your family's jewelry, putting it in a safe, leaving town, and then putting the key to the safe next to the safe. If a bad guy comes in, all he has to do is pick the key up, open the safe, steal all your jewelry. Why would a Catholic priest leave the key to the tabernacle on the altar next to the tabernacle? I've heard of priests doing this as late as the last year or two. Those priests need to be in big trouble. Uh, Michael Smith asks, should there be a verger? Yes, a verger is a guy who carries a stick at the beginning of a procession. I'll just take a few more. Trinity, Nieto, when are you going to do more apologetic videos? Um, I think I've done some apologetic videos in the last month. Um, so I continue to do them. And also, this is a good opportunity for me to share, most of the theology and apologetics and church history and philosophy that I do, I do all at the New St. Thomas Institute. Let me see if I have a, a shot of it. Yeah, here we go. There we go. The New St. Thomas Institute. This is where I teach online courses. This is the course on the Latin Mass that I give. How to pray in Latin. How to get started. Latin Mass intro. How to walk through the Latin Mass. History of the Latin Mass. So a lot of, like, if you want to do more of this stuff with me on a daily uh, schedule, you got to go over to NewStThomas.com. NewStThomas.com. Sign up. And that's where I do the heavy lifting. Like the really in-depth stuff is over at newsaintthomas.com. This is just riffing on podcasts. Thank you for that question, Trinity. All right, let me see here. I lost something. That's all right. Okay couple more questions up. There's a super chat. Let me rush over to that super chat. Did I miss one of them? Here it is. Momentum Gary, would it be allowed to carry a weapon or firearm? Consult your pastor. Follow your local governmental rules. There are different rules. I don't know if you're in France or if you're in Switzerland, Italy, New York City, or Texas. But in Texas, I can tell you that many, many people, a majority, maybe not a majority, many people are strapped at mass. Um, I, well, I won't tell you what I do. 
But yes, um, a pocket knife is always a good one. A lot of women carry mace with them. And uh, yeah, there are also firearms in certain regions and states and parts of the country uh, also. So good question, Momentum Gary. Trinity Nieto says, thank you. No, thank you. Thank you, Momentum Gary. Yes, thank you. You're welcome. All right. I think we'll we'll call it a day there. Remember, you need to pray the rosary every day. You need to be joyful every day. You need to count your blessings every day. You need to live for Christ. The worst thing they can do is kill you for Christ. Then you're a martyr. Then you skip purgatory and you get a really high place in heaven. So that's a that's a setback. That is a setup. That's good. Go to confession. Today's First Friday. Joe and I went to Mass today on First Friday to make reparation to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Tomorrow's First Saturday. Go to Mass tomorrow on First Saturday. Make reparation to Our Lady for the sins against her Immaculate Heart. Be a good Catholic. Like I said, be joyful. Be friendly. Invite people. People out there are walking wounded. They are dying inside. Imagine if you had no Jesus, no grace, no sacraments, no true friends. Your human interactions with other people are based on money, jobs, work, and sex and hookup culture. What a miserable life. People need Jesus. They need the Catholic Church. They need the sacraments. They need tradition. They need scripture. So are we actually offering it to people? Who are one to seven people in your life that you could talk to about Christ? Bring them to church. Invite them to benediction. If they're Catholic and fell away, invite them to go to confession. Say, hey, if you ever want to go to confession, I'd be happy to go. I go every two weeks at this time. Plant the seeds, plant the seeds, plant the seeds. All right, let's pray the Hail Mary together. Oremos, nomine Patris, et Fidei, et Spiritus Sancti, Amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum, benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, or Pernobis peccatoribus, Nunc editor mortis nostre. Amen. Nomini Patris et Fidii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. There is one more question that I want to field real quick. This is from Cindy. She's in Canada. She's on YouTube right now. And she asks, uh, anyone, can anyone give a specific saint to pray to protect our churches this weekend? Well, I'm going to say St. Joseph. He's the patron of the Universal Church. He is the foster father, the guardian of Jesus Christ, and I think he's the guardian of Holy Mother Church. So I think we should all pray to St. Joseph and ask Joseph to intercede with Christ to the Father for our safety and our well-being and that these demonic plans come to nothing. So good question, Cindy, and I'm going to recommend St. Joseph. All right. Thanks for watching. If you like this video, please give me the thumbs up. Hit the like button. Thumbs up. This is a free video. All you got to do is just hit that like button. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for everybody hitting the thumbs up. And uh, share it. Share this video. As I said, YouTube's not real wild about pro-life videos talking about Catholicism. So they're not going to throw it into their algorithm. Yesterday, we saw the power of y'all sharing the video because that video got over 100,000 views in less than 24 hours. Why did that happen? It's because I stressed over and over, share this video 
YouTube is not going to be psyched about this video. They're not going to like it. If you want people to see it, you have to share it. And guess what y'all did? You shared it. Awesome. And it worked. So let's do it again. There's a share button beneath this video or next to this video, depending if you're on a phone or a computer. Hit the share button and then hit share to Facebook. Enter and it's over. You did it. You shared. And of course, if you're new, subscribe and that'll let you know whenever I go live. Thanks for watching. Remember our Lord Jesus Christ is you're the light of the world and the salt of the earth. So go out there and be salty. God bless. Godspeed. Happy first Friday and tomorrow.